The one who was to speak to you tonight won the Towel and Basin Award. I'm more the mop and bucket guy, I guess. <laughs> Cleaning up after things. But I enjoy sharing the word. And uh, I thank you, Jeff, for allowing me to do this. And this message I wrote very quickly because it's been building for a long time. I was a United Methodist missionary for 27 years, and part of missionary life, as many of you know, is returning to the United States and uh, visiting local church supporters and trying, of course, to get drum up new support. Um, well, Craig Curry was the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Lubbock, Texas, which is one of the largest, most emblematic churches in the Northwest Texas Conference, which happens to be my home conference as a United Methodist where I'm, I was ordained. I was actually ordained elder in that particular building. Um, it has about 3,000 members, and Craig's church was not a supporter, but he invited me to lunch one day because, you see, Craig and I have a special connection. His older sister and I graduated from high school together in a little town outside of Lubbock called Slayton, Texas, and his dad was a high school football coach when we graduated, and Craig's just a few years younger than his sister and I, but it so happened that after I went off to college, he received his call into the ministry under my dad's pastoring there in Slayton. My dad's the pastor. So uh, we have a special connection, Craig and I, and he invited me to lunch, and, and he took me to a really nice steakhouse. But I don't remember the name of it, I'm afraid, in Lubbock. He ordered a hamburger and fries at this nice steakhouse. I decided to try out the reputation of the steakhouse. <laughs> and when they brought his, our food, Craig did something that really sort of struck me strange. He cut his hamburger in half, set aside half of his fries, and asked for the little carryout box, and he put that all in a little box, and he only ate half of his hamburger and fries. I cleaned my plate, <laughs> as you can tell. Well, we went back to the church, but before stopping off at the church, Craig said, do you mind if we take a little stop on the way? And about three blocks away from the church, right in downtown Lubbock, not far from the police station, actually, there's a homeless guy that lives in an alley there, and Greg somehow got to know about him and began to strike up a relationship with him. So he brought him his hamburger, half hamburger, and fries. And... Um, the young man was a, an African-American military veteran. And a very handsome young African-American man had dreadlocks. But what really caught my attention, this is in the month of July, he was wearing a trench coat. I mean, I don't know, maybe he had everything on that he owned. I have no idea, but in the heat in West Texas, July, you don't wear a trench coat. But he was wearing a trench coat. And, but, you know, Craig had known about him, and so he had saved his half of his lunch to share with Bob. And then as he talked with him a little bit, he said, well, are you, are you thirsty, Bob? He says, well, yeah. I said, would you like a Coke or something? He says, no, I, I don't like Coke. Well, what would you like? He said, well, I'd like a Sprite. So Greg said, okay. So we drove back to the church, and I had to get in my car and go off to another appointment, and uh, Craig went on, got him a Sprite, and took it back to Bob. I don't know about you, but that really impressed me because I don't know many pastors of 3,000-member churches who take half of their lunch 
and take it to someone and then do, go out the extra mile to take them a drink again. I mean, I wouldn't do that, to be honest with you. I was really impressed. So I want to ask you a question. Where was Jesus in this scenario? Where was Jesus in this scenario? With whom would we identify Jesus? Now, if I was telling this story in a children's sermon, the answer would be real easy, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, of course, Pastor Craig was the Jesus. He's a pastor of a large church with all this prestige and some of the most powerful members of the community and his membership. He sets aside half of his lunch for a homeless man and goes out the extra mile to take him a drink. Of course, that's Jesus. Well, the children would be right. Jesus served his disciples. He washed their feet. The Apostle Paul says that though he was rich, he became poor. And he left the glory of heaven and became a humble carpenter. Now, our scripture passage today that was so beautifully represented here with music and word gives us another way of looking at the story of Craig and Bob. It doesn't deny that Craig acted the way Jesus might do, but when we ask the question, where was Jesus, the answer comes out a little differently. Let's listen again. Come you that are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. One of my students in the Hispanic, in the Latino Latina Studies program is a pastor in prisons here in Florida. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these members of my family, you did it to me. In the light of this passage, Bob is Jesus. You did it to one of the least of these. Now you may argue, now wait a minute, Mark. The text indicates that Jesus is referring only to the least of these who are his disciples. Jesus is exhorting the Christian community to take care of one another, and especially those who fall on hard times. After all, this is a passage about judgment. It's about separating the sheep from the goats, who both happen to make the same sound. <laughs> Let me suggest that we look at the least of these statements and Jesus' identification with the least of these through a different lens. Or rather, let us add another lens that enables the passage to see the passage a bit differently. You know how when you go to the eye doctor and they give you the test and they put those lenses in front of you and as they flip them around, you're looking at the same thing, but it looks different each time? Well, I suggest that we apply the lens of the incarnation to look at this passage, okay? The incarnation. Jesus is fully God and fully human. By taking on humanity in the person of Jesus, God enters into full solidarity with humanity, with all humanity, with no restrictions. Isn't that right? That's what we preach. God becomes human and takes on full solidarity with humanity in Jesus. And it is precisely through this complete solidarity that God works redemption. That's the vehicle for redemption is that solidarity. 
It is through Jesus' entire life, along with his death and resurrection, that God takes upon God's self humanity's brokenness, and through that provides restoration, reconciliation, and new life. It is God's total solidarity with humanity in the incarnation that is the primary means of salvation. You see, salvation isn't something that happens outside of God. Salvation is something that God works within God's self, but because of the fusion of divinity and humanity in Jesus, it also happens to us. Now let's return to our passage and to Craig and Bob. Bob is Jesus because Jesus is in full solidarity with Bob's condition and situation. You see, Bob is a traumatized military veteran. We probably have some military veterans in the room right now. Jesus was with Bob when he went through the trauma. And he understands Bob's reaction to that from the inside. That's what full solidarity is about. Jesus is one with Bob. Now, one of the key, function, one of the key functions of the incarnation is to bear our tragedies, to bear our sorrows, our wrong decisions, our impetuousness, and our bullheadedness. Jesus does not stand in solidarity with Bob in order to judge him. Jesus stands in solidarity with Bob because he loves him. Isn't that right? Jesus is in solidarity with Bob because he loves him. Jesus bears Bob's burdens in order to redeem him, to liberate him, to heal him, to reconcile him, and to restore him. So when we look at the least of these, we find Jesus. We find Jesus in the least of these. Salvation is empathetic solidarity, not judgmental superiority. Take that in for a second. I want to say it again. Salvation is empathetic solidarity, not judgmental superiority. And that should be in the DNA of Jesus' followers. We should be the most empathetically, uh, in, in empathetic solidarity of any people on the planet. Now, Craig <clears throat> represents another dimension of the incarnation. Craig is also Jesus in this situation. Now, we proclaim that God's love is unconditional. And it is, that God accepts us as we are. But one of the great things about God's unconditional love is that while God does accept us as we are, God doesn't leave us where we are. Because God loves us too much, God believes in us too much, God knows what he's created us for. And so although God may accept us as we are, God's not going to leave us where we are. God's going to take us to a better place. God's going to help us to be all that God created us to be in the first place. That's what love is all about. It starts with that solidarity with Bob, but it moves us to a point that we want to help someone get to a better place. See, Craig is taking time to get to know Bob and establish a relationship with him and to earn his trust. 
So because he hopes that someday Bob will be willing to take a step towards healing. And Craig's going to be there to provide that healing when Bob is ready. Craig is respecting and recognizing his human dignity now so that Bob can get the courage to move beyond where he is right now. But Bob needs a Craig to show him that dignity, to establish that trust, to show the caring, so that Bob can open up out of his hurt and receive the healing. The incarnation is not just about solidarity with our brokenness. It's also about God helping us to attain to our fullness. Jesus, as the resurrected Christ, is the first fruits of a new humanity. And through the power of the Spirit, that new humanity begins here and now, not in the beyond. So the Spirit works through Craig, expressing loving solidarity on the one hand, and yet offering a path to healing and restoration on the other hand. I actually sent a copy of this sermon to Craig, and he wrote me back, said that Bob has been reunited with his family in Abilene, Texas, and Craig's lost connection with him, but he made a step in the right direction. He's been reconciled with somebody who cares for him and can help him even get to a better place. Isn't that great? The incarnation lens helps us see that Jesus is on both sides of the equation. And if you and I are honest with ourselves, we need Jesus to be on both sides of that equation because we are both Bob and Craig. We're not one or the other. We're both. And sometimes we're both at the same time. Sometimes we're given and doing something good, and yet we are needy and broken on the inside. Isn't that right? And God, bless him, can take that neediness and that hurt and that brokenness and use it to actually help somebody. Isn't that right? I need Jesus to be in solidarity with my failings and my struggles and my stupid decisions and my suffering. And I need Jesus to believe in me, to inspire me, to drive me to become what he's, his vision is of me which is much better than my own vision of myself. I need Jesus to drive me to greatness. And the beautiful thing about the greatness in the kingdom of God is that greatness, isn't, greatness in the kingdom is empathetic solidarity. It's not judgmental superiority. Greatness in the kingdom is empathetic solidarity. It's knowing what it's like to be Bob. And it's knowing what it's like to be Craig. They go hand in hand. We are about to celebrate the best symbol of the incarnation right here. Through very simple things, basic things of life of bread and wine. But because of the incarnation, is body and blood. All of our bobness is in this cup. And our correctness is in this bread. So when you come today, partake. Bring your bobness 
and your correctness to this table. And let Jesus be present to you at the level that you need him the most. Okay? Let Jesus be present to you in the sacrament in the way you need him the most. Amen.